Welcome to the Student Ministry Podcast. This is episode 46, and I'm your host, Steve Cullum. Here we are with another episode, another interview. And this time we're going to be talking to Jeff Bachman, a good friend of mine from uh, that I met through Download Youth Ministry, as I meet a lot of my youth ministry friends through Download Youth Ministry. Uh, not only is Jeff a longtime ministry veteran within youth ministry, uh, but he is also an expert on youth and pop culture and uh, bringing those things together. He even hosts his own podcast about that. And uh, we're going to dive all into that and how he brings all that together and how he's actually had the opportunity to start several ministries and all those things working together. Get ready, though. This is a longer interview, but Jeff's got some amazing things to say. Uh, so if you get if you get to break it up a little bit, that's fine. That's fine. But uh, just be ready to uh, to have a to listen to this awesome interview. Um, not because of me by any means, but because of Jeff and all his amazing wisdom that he's learned over the years. But before we jump into that, I do want to remind you if you are new, I'm not reminding you actually. You're new, uh, so you haven't heard this before. Thanks so much for being new, and thanks. thanks Thanks so much for uh, for listening to the Student Ministry Podcast. Be sure to hit subscribe on whatever podcast app you're listening to this and uh, and share it with others. And if you like what you hear, leave me a positive review. That'd be awesome. That just helps us to uh, kind of be actually be found by other people looking for ministry podcasts. And uh, that'd be awesome. But if you're not new and you've heard this before and you haven't subscribed yet, you haven't left a positive comment, can I, can I encourage you please to do that? That'd be amazing. Um, also, be sure to share this with other people that you think uh, might enjoy these great conversations conversations uh, with great youth ministry workers out there. Um, also, we want to thank our sponsors, longtime sponsor of WorkCamp NE. Uh, they're great. They're so great. And if you haven't checked out their website, W-O-R-K-C-A-M-P-N-E yet, do it. Do it. That's, that's .com, by the way. Um, but do it. Because... If you're looking for anything to get your students involved in serving other people, this is a great organization to go through and partner with. Um, they do great uh, week-long trips in the summer and over, also over uh, spring break kind of time. Um, but they can also do private trips um, for your own group and, and arrange something for uh, like a day, a weekend, a whole week. Just contact them through their website. Again, W-O-R-K-C-A-M-P-N-E.com and uh, let them know that the student ministry podcast sent you. We're also sponsored by G-Shade Student Curriculum. And as a sponsor, uh, actually as a thank you for sponsoring this episode of the, the Student Ministry Podcast, you can actually get 5% off your order of G-Shade Student Curriculum when you visit gshades.org and use the, the promo code STUMINPOD. That's S-T-U-M-I-N-P-O-D. And uh, basically, Geo G Shades, not Geo Shades. I'm I'm creating some other product. Uh, G Shades is a, a youth ministry curriculum, and it's a teaching strategy that's focused on helping students see everyday life situations through the lens of the gospel. Um, a lot of us as, as youth pastors, we do a lot of things unintentionally. You know, we we talk about the gospel um, when we do a lot of things, but we and we teach the gospel, but we don't often um, help them help students 
really seeing everything through the lens of the gospel. And that's what this this curriculum and, uh, and teaching strategy is all about. So in an effort to try to create something different, G-Shades uh, is actually doing that. It's designed to produce confident, gospel-focused students who are able to use their gospel lens to navigate the complexities of, of modern culture. And uh, we're we're in youth ministry professionally. Um, a lot of us are in youth ministry professionally. And when it comes to the gospel, most of us uh, actually probably, you know, share the gospel and, and we model it to our students. But G-Shade's goal is to help us teach it to our students. So again, if you want to check that out, uh, you can see they, they actually have manuscripts and small group leader guides and parent guides and daily Instagram devotionals and games and graphic slides and bumper videos, all that. Just head over to gshades.org and uh, when you order, get 5% off by using the promo code STUMENPOD. And we thank WorkCamp NE and G-Shade Student Curriculum for sponsoring this episode of the Student Ministry Podcast. All right, with all that out of the way, let's jump into the main event, this conversation with Jeff Bachman. Well, hey, Jeff, thanks so much for, for joining us today on the Student Ministry Podcast. Well, hello, Steve. It's good to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, not a problem at all. It's it's always great to to chat, and it's it's cool to get a, a little longer of a chat because I know at, at DYM events and other things like that, it's more of a a quick hello, and we're moving around and got a lot of stuff to go go do and everything. So it's great to actually sit down and and have a, a l- more lengthy conversation with you. Agreed, and maybe part of it's my own personality, but I always it, I don't feel nervous in those sort of settings. But you feel I feel the pressure of like trying to meet everybody in the room and it's probably that we all have that DNA of being youth pastors. And so even though you're a guest at it, you still, you're like, I got somebody and people to meet and, right. you know, and, and I've been at the ones where there was a hundred and then the one where there's 200, you're like, that just that doubles the anxiety. Cause now you're like, there's yeah. twice as many people to meet. So yeah. So, yeah. so you meet these people in passing, but then you go, gosh, that's somebody I'd love to chat with and hear their story. And so it's, it's good to be able to mm-hmm. do this. So thank you so much. Yeah, not a problem at all. And uh, speaking of story, um, at longtime listeners uh, of our podcast know that we just love to start off with the this question of your story. And okay. so, um, feel free to kind of dive into that as much as you as much as you want to. Um, but uh, but to include, you know, of course your upbringing and 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 everything, uh, how you become a Christian. But I'd yeah. love to know also how you got into ministry itself and and what God's been doing in your life to to bring you to the point where you are today. Absolutely. Cool. Um, I was, let's see. So, so I'm currently just for, for context, I, I currently live in Orange County, uh, live in Irvine, California, which is probably hour and a half South of Los Angeles, hour and a half North of San Diego, but like right there in that, that pocket, 10 minutes from Disneyland. So that's, um, that's where I'm at right now. And it's a horrible and, place to be. I know. it's awful. <laughs> so if you could pray for me, I'd appreciate it. It really is. Uh, I, I will say we, we had season passes for a while and they, they priced us out after a bit. So mm-hmm. it was, we had to go, we had to go. It's a bummer. <laughs> so, um, for me, I was, I was born in, uh, in Ohio and, um, and my parents, and I was there until about third grade. And I think, um, my dad got a job transfer when I was in third grade. And so we moved from Ohio out to California a little north of where I'm at right now, called the Central Valley in an area like Modesto, Fresno, Stockton area. And uh, when we moved out there, that was for my parents. Um, well, they did two things. One is that it was just very customary at that time that when you moved to a new town, you would open the yellow pages, which I'm not sure how many people know what those are, you know, but it, uh, it, they would open the phone book and they would just find a church in their denomination. And so we, we went to a Methodist church in Ohio. I don't, 
really remember it, but I have pictures of me being like baptized as a baby and those sort of things. And so when we moved in third grade to California, they opened up the, the phone book and they picked a Methodist church in, in Modesto. And so we, we went there and I absolutely hate it because I didn't understand anything of what was going on. I, I remember going to like Sunday school in third or fourth grade. My mom bought me a Bible, but I didn't understand. And so I would sit there in these, in these Sunday school classes and we would do Bible drills. And I would sit next to my best friend, Brian Frickenick and Brian Frickenick knew all the Bible uh, books. And so he could find it. And so he always won the donuts and he won the stickers and I didn't. And I'm like, dude, this sucks. I don't like this at all. And so we'd sit there and I remember like <clears throat> when my parents would it, on Sunday morning, I would, I mean, I, I was an, I've always been an early riser. And so like if it was a Saturday, I'd get up at six o'clock and watch cartoons or go out and ride my bike or whatever. But on Sunday I would just lay in bed and I would just lay there and hope I, I probably the closest to a non prayer prayer of, of just going, I, I don't want to go to church. And so I'd lay there until it was like past church time. And then I would get up and I would go thinking that like, if I got up, it would like, my parents were like, well, since you're up, let's go to church. So, um, for me, I, but when I went, um, I was in Sunday school, in like sixth grade. And so, and one of my Sunday school teachers said, well, if you don't believe in Jesus, you're going to go to hell. And I'm like, well, I don't understand this, but that sounds miserable. So I don't want to do that. So <laughs> I put my faith in Jesus at that point, but I'm not necessarily sure exactly what that was. Um, but in sixth, in seventh grade, I started kind of the youth group thing. And for me and my personality, we were just talking about Enneagram off air. I'm a, I'm a three wing two. And so for my okay. personality, like youth group just spoke my language and I loved the youth pastor. I loved the youth leaders. It was the first time that I had actually found something. It was for me. Um, it was my social group. You know, I had my stuff at mm -hmm. school, but, but in, in, in elementary school, I was kind of a, a short chubby little kid. And in seventh grade, I got super tall and hyper. And so like, mm -hmm. they were just, they were patient and they put up with me. And so I loved youth group trips. Um, I went to church to meet girls. Like it was kind of all that it was, it really was the social thing. So like the, the whole organization of why youth ministry exists, like worked perfectly on me. Nice. So in, in junior high and high school, I, I was just, I was always involved. I went on mission trips. I, we didn't go to summer camp. We did like backpacking trips, but I did all that. And I was involved in student leadership. And I, you know, it's like to look back now and go, was I, was I saved at that point or not? I'm I'm not totally sure. I think that I was trying to strive towards, a life with, with Jesus. I think it was probably more behavior modification. I think it was more Sunday driven than it was all week. But, um, in our church, there was just kind of an, an expectation and understanding when you graduated from high school, that if you stayed around and I went to a junior college there, that you just served in the youth ministry in ministry. So I applied for the internship and I got it. And my youth pastor didn't like junior hires a whole lot. So he gave me the junior high ministry at 18. And I think of that now and I was like, what in the world was I doing <laughs> running this thing? But it was, it was in like developing lessons for students that I began to see that I was like, Oh, there's like, there's like sin and there's a problem and there's separation and I need to fix that. So it was in teaching students that, that I kind of hmm. think that was for me kind of that 18 to 20 year old time that I'm, I was, I, I began to think, Jesus did something for me and I need to live a life in response to that. So, mm. but that didn't happen until I started teaching Bible studies. So that's a little, yeah. that's a little terrifying, <laughs> but, but I also think that we, we all um, evolve and mature in our, in our faith and our relationship with Jesus. So this was, mm. that was part of my story. So 
I was an intern at my church for two years, and then when I moved from Modesto to Fresno to go to Fresno State, I worked at an organization called Youth for Christ, which is a, a non-profit <laughs> organization. And so I think that's where I really developed a love for on-campus ministry. So we'd go to junior high schools and high schools all around the Fresno County area, and we would just build relationships, and we'd just kind of hang out at lunch, and we'd run uh, before school clubs and after school clubs. We even, um, in some of them, I, in, in school, my parents... Um, wanted me to get a real degree and not study youth ministry. Um, yeah. And I, I say that kind of facetiously, but they really, they, <laughs> they wanted me to get, it was essentially something to fall back on. Cause they'd always ask me like, what do you want to do with your life? I said, I want to be a youth pastor. And they're like, okay, but when you get a real job, like, what do you want to do? <laughs> right. So, um, so I actually studied um, deaf education and sign language studies. And so we would go onto campuses and start these deaf clubs. And so there were, there were schools that they're kind of like magnet schools for kids who were either hearing impaired or they were deaf. And so we would, we would, um, we translate for them and we would have interpreters at the club. And it was just crazy to see that when you spoke, and I, I think there's a, there's a bigger lesson here, but when we would speak the lesson of students who just wanted to make friends and just wanted to hear about Jesus, like they came. So we'd have like 20, 20 deaf kids at these clubs. So like sometimes more than like regular kids. So it was just, yeah. it was crazy, but we did wow. that. Um, so I did that, uh, at, in Fresno for about four or five years. And during that time, my wife was going to my, who was my girlfriend at the time. Um, my wife was going to school until we were dating. She was working at Youth for Christ. She was running on campus clubs at other places. So we like kind of help each other out. We, um, she and I broke up for a year. That's a whole different story for a different day. <laughs> but, um, I think for, for her and I is that when we went away to school, we didn't know anybody but each other, each other. And so our focus got very directed towards one another. And then I, mm. I actually went and studied over in Washington, D.C. for about a semester. And in that time, that kind of, that revealed a lot of the, the breaks in our relationship. And so we broke up. She got mentored. I got my head screwed on straight. I came back, kept working for Youth for Christ. And then um, we, we eventually, so about the, point that we got married, which would be, gosh, at this point, <clears throat> excuse me, we've been married for almost 18 years. Uh, it was like 2001. She was finishing her degree and Youth for Christ at that point, our chapter was in a lot of financial peril. It was, there was a, a bit of a recession. I was three paychecks back. I had also at that time really felt like God was telling me, I love, I, and I think it was part of who I was, but I, I love the church. I love youth ministry and, and, and I love the partnership that Youth for Christ had and other nonprofits have in working alongside the church as a parachurch organization. But for me, I just felt like I was equipped to work in a church and I just love that the bride of Christ. So I think I sat there for that last kind of year while I was getting married, while finances were starting to dwindle and just saying, I even told my, my executive director, I just really wanted to work in a church. He said, well, we'll help you get there. And so right about the time we got married, um, like six months afterwards, I got a call from a church and they were looking for a youth pastor up in Davis, which is from Modesto. That's, uh, or from, I'm sorry, from Fresno. That's about two and a half, three hours north. And so went and I was a youth pastor at a, at a little Baptist church up in, in Davis, First Baptist Church of Davis. Hmm. And I was there for almost four years. And it was like, I still, every time was, we have friends and go back there, but it's still such a sweet time of just thinking hmm. back. It was my wife and I were <clears throat> just married. She was my best life group leader. Like, you know, yeah. it was just that. Yeah. Gosh, excuse me. <clears throat> Sorry uh, to put that in your microphone. But <laughs> it's okay. um, but it was just, it was like we had kids over in our house. We lived like right by the one high school. So it was like, it just mm. felt like this, like nostalgic, simple time. I think mm. um, 
right there at the end of that season, we were actually starting to talk about having kids um, and experience probably about almost two years of infertility in the process. Um, at that point, um, I got a call from uh, the, there was a college group in Fresno that my wife and I had kind of met and been mentored in that, that at the time college pastor was the one who officiated our wedding and invested in us. They were launching as their own church and they were kind of at the front end of that whole, they weren't a postmodern church in theology, but it was kind of that whole like evening service, a church is birthed out of a church. It was kind of back when it was popular to have night services and acoustic guitar and candles and velvet and all that. Sort of stuff. <laughs> so, of course. Um, and they, they had been, they had been a church for now two, three years, but called me to come back and help start the youth ministry there. We had always wanted to go back to Fresno and it was that point where we just felt like it was time. So I was at the Baptist church for about four years and I moved back to Fresno and that was, and it was amazing. Like literally a month after we moved, my wife got pregnant and we were able to start having kids. And I don't, I don't think it was Fresno, but <laughs> Fresno would probably claim that it was. It made her more, more fertile. So um, we were. So then I worked at a, a church called the Well Community Church in Fresno from gosh, be 2005 to um, I, I was there until 2011. And in that time, and you know, I'd like to think that I had something to do with it, but it was one of those churches that just experienced like explosive growth. They went from about 750 people to over 4,000. And so in that time I started the youth ministry and we had like the youth ministry. Oh gosh. I love, like, I love that youth ministry, but it was like, when I started, there was like four kids at it. And they were at the time they were homeschooled, which homeschool kids are great. (laughs) But when you tell them to invite their friends to an outreach, they don't invite their friends from another youth ministry. And so these other kids would come and they'd eat our pizza and then they'd leave. And you're like, what happened? So it was like, and so I sat there and I just tried and tried to build this youth ministry in any way I knew how. And it wasn't, we, we actually ended up moving campuses and put ourselves in our new campus in between four high schools. And so in uh, doing that, we like immediately started drawing from all these different, these different students. Nice. So um had the privilege of, of watching that, that church grow and the youth ministry grow from four kids to gosh, over, over 300 junior high and high school students and hiring staff <laughs> and experiencing all that. And I think right around, so I was there for six years and that was easily um, one of the times that I just learned so much as far as about who I was and learned about what it takes to grow a ministry and how, like the cost of it and good ways to do it. And I mean, I failed probably more than I succeeded um, <laughs> as far as just trying events and um, like it, it revealed in me a lot of like, how, how important it was for me for, um, it to be bigger. And, yeah. and yet every time I'd talk to the students, they would always talk about when it was 20 kids and we'd go rent a cabin and like, they missed that. And I'm like, but I look at what I've given you. I've given you this. We have vans, we have a youth room. Now we have all this stuff. And they're like, I miss sitting in a cabin. And you're like, mm-hmm. okay, interesting. So, yeah. um, and then right around, right in 2011, I just got into a place where I was starting to feel like uneasy, not about the church. The church was fantastic, but just God was just closing some doors for us. It was also, I had at that point finished my seminary degree. So I was getting my master's and I, and part of my master's thesis was I got the, I got to create my own master's thesis, which was, um, I went and I interviewed like veterans and youth ministry, essentially my heroes. And so, and I, I proposed this thing where I said, I would love to go down to Southern California, which I had always had a little bit of a fascination for anyways. 
and I wanted to interview the people who mattered to me. So I, I put a proposal mm-hmm. together and I wanted, I, I interviewed Tick Long, who was the president of, of Specialties. He was an executive mm-hmm. pastor at a church down there. I interviewed one of my heroes and mentors, a guy named Ed Noble, who's a, a senior pastor at a church down in San Diego. I interviewed uh, Josh Griffin, Doug Fields, uh, 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 Marco Stripe, you know, like, but all, like all the, like the giants and a lot of the people who yeah. come through, especially the National Youth Workers mm-hmm. Convention and just people that I had, that they didn't know, but they had mentioned me through their books and their teachings and so Mm-hmm. And my and my big question was just like, what is it going to take for me to do this? For at that point, I'd been doing youth ministry for I don't know fifteen years, and I was like, what's okay. it going to take for me to do another fifteen years? And so, just tried to take their wisdom. A lot of it had to do with caring for myself and caring for my spouse and my family. Um, a lot of it was like also just like kind of chase the dream. I don't feel like I've necessarily ever heard God audibly talk to me, but it was when I was driving. I think I was driving from San Diego to Los Angeles or I'm sorry, to Orange County. And as I'm at that stretch where it's like right by the beach, I'm, I'm just like driving along the ocean, just going like, God, I, I wish I could live here. And it was, and I, and I don't know if it was me or him, but it was that, it was the like, the why don't you, you know? And if that's what you want, like God doesn't just live in Fresno. And so again, so then that started a, a short process, probably four to six months of just praying. And I had a friend contact me about a church that was, um, that was looking for a high school pastor, at a church called Rock Harbor in the Orange County area. And they, again, mm-hmm. Rock Harbor was another one of those churches that had been birthed out of a church. And so they, okay. I, I had had some, uh, some experience in, uh, in starting a youth ministry or kind of doing a youth ministry in a younger church like that. And so I think that's what was appealing about me and hopefully mm-hmm. God was in it. And so, um, in 2011, we moved my family, which at that point, well, when we still do, but we, we had had all three of our kids at that point. Um, got a son who he's now 13, uh, a daughter who's 11 and a daughter who's nine. Um, at that point they were like one, three and five. So we packed mm-hmm. everything up and moved down to orange County. We went from a house that we owned in Fresno to renting like a 1200 square foot townhouse. Cause that's <laughs> orange County about all you can afford. <laughs> yeah. And, um, Started at a at a church called Rock Harbor, which um, they've gone through a lot of evolutions. At, at the, what the things I didn't know at that point is that they had been through. I was the fifth high school youth pastor in five years. Okay, so that presented um, some interesting uh, yeah. uh, opportunities. We'll call call them. And <laughs> That's a good perspective. <laughs> yeah, sure. And um, they're they're a great church, and they again they were another one of those churches where um, at the well in Fresno and Rock Harbor were both churches that. And I didn't realize it until after I left, but it was youth ministry, I believe, was created. And, and I've gone and, and seen from uh, when, when Marco's done breakouts. And as you hear, like, the history of youth ministry, like, in its most basic form, youth ministry was created because the church was failing at their job. And, like, and this is a super sweeping and mean statement that I'm going to say, but I, <laughs> youth ministry tends to or seems to thrive in its, in its most traditional form. And I think... I think now we're at a place where youth ministry is changing, but like up until maybe five, eight years ago, youth ministry seemed to thrive when the church was failing at their job of, of capturing the head and the heart of students. And that's why, mm-hmm. that's why youth ministry was created. That's why mm-hmm. Young Life and Youth for Christ was created. So like youth ministry thrives when there's nothing else better. So, but I was, I was at two churches that really had um, pretty, pretty attractive services for students. And so at the well, and then at Rock Harbor, you had to get a little bit more creative because the communicating was as good, if not better than what they were getting. 
the music was by far better. I mean, it was just like their and their the, their level of production and and worship leaders and music and video and lights and sound like it was just ten times better than anything I could do on my own. Yeah. And so it really forced me to then start to go like, what are we as youth ministry offering? Because for a while it was like, well, why don't you come to us? Because we're going to sing the cool songs. We're going to show you videos and we're going to give you donuts. And you're like, dude, that's everything that the main service has. And at those two churches that I was at, it was with a bunch of 20, 18 to 25 year olds. So then for a high school student, they're sitting here going, well, I want to go there because I can hide in the dark room. Everybody's more attractive than me and it's super sexy. And so I'd rather go there than to hang out in your youth ministry. And so... <laughs> And, and again, in times, I think we, we really thrived because of that. And then there was other times that it, it was hard to compete in, in that, mm, of trying yeah. to. And so for a, it, out of that has really birthed a philosophy in me of, of starting to go, our responsibility as a youth ministry, and this isn't new, and I think it's a lot of what's come from Kara Powell and FYI, and then also like David C. Cook and True Ministries, this idea that, well, and Orange, that parents continue to, even at, even at 18, parents continue to be the primary means in which faith is passed down. So then yep. if that's the case, then our end goal shouldn't be to create the most exciting, most vibrant service that happens for a 16-year-old. That may end up happening, but that shouldn't be it. And if that's the yeah. end, you're going to lose. And so mm-hmm. it really started a journey for me of then starting to go, what does it look like for parents to be the primary means in which faith is passed down? But to understand that a high schooler still wants to hang out with high schoolers. So yeah. I was at Rock Harbor for five years. That one actually... Um, and I only share just so that other people know they're not alone. I was, I was fired, you know? And so after five years there, it was, it, it got to a place that the ministry grew and then it, it, it shrunk. And again, we could sit and talk all day as to why that happened. But at the end of the day, the leadership and myself disagreed on what needed to be, what needed to happen next and how to move forward. And so, um, we, we parted away. And so it was, it was, it was weird. I think for me, what it, it unhinged a lot of things in me. And so that was, that was not three years ago, three, three and a half years ago. And okay. it was for me, I think my biggest fear had always been being fired. Um, yeah. How do you provide for your family? Um, that's a, a bit of a, of a scarlet letter on your chest and the youth minister, mm-hmm. you failed. I think that I've always thought that I did a pretty good job at this and to go, first off, you're replaceable. And mm-hmm. that, you know, that, that anybody can this can happen to anybody? And so I, I think I I gotten a little um, snarky, arrogant, asleep at the wheel, some stuff like that. And um, so it it was a it was a probably a good thing for me. My if you ask my kids, they still love that summer that um, that didn't have to go to work any day. So like for them, <laughs> yeah. like, this is the best. You get fired all the time, uh, <laughs> right? So at that point, um, and and we were even at that point, and I remember we would sit around. Um, because you didn't have church to go to in the weekend. So we'd, we'd sit around our breakfast table during like church times and we'd do devotionals or whatever like that. And I asked my kids, I was like, what do you want me to do? I was like, if you're done with dad being a youth pastor, like I'll go sell insurance. I'll get mm-hmm. work at Starbucks. I'll go get another degree, like whatever. But are you done with this? Because for me at that point, it had been, I'd done youth ministry in some, I'd been like an associate campus pastor. I'd done junior high school, but I'd done youth ministry for 24 years. And so and it was interesting to even hear my kids kind of like, even at that age, they would be 10, eight and six, like to feel empowered of going like, we're actively involved in like who our dad is, what he does and that it brings us joy. And so they're like, no, we, we love that you do this. And so started interviewing and talking around and there was um, a guy that I had always um, back in the day, like mid two thousands, 
Um, there was a, a conference called Simply Youth Ministry. That yeah. uh, and and so at Simply, I would go to these breakouts, and there was a guy named Jeff McGuire who was the mm-hmm. youth pastor at uh, Mariners in here in Orange County. Uh, he actually was an intern for Doug Field, so he worked at Saddleback. But he'd do these breakouts, and just I really enjoyed him and respected him a ton. And they three years ago, three and a half years ago, actually Josh Griffin um, said. Uh, somebody asked me to interview for a job. I've, I've got this little company called DYM. I think it's, it's doing just fine. So, but I'd love to recommend you. And so I went and interviewed at Mariners at the time. It was one of the campuses for Mariners at, at the Mission okay. Viejo campus. And so I got to work there. And so that's now been three, three years and a month. So a little three years and change started out as a high school pastor. It's now morphed into the student ministry pastor. We actually, as a church merged with another campus, which has been, Again, a whole other part of the story. I'm sure, um, yeah. And I, I've gone from being the student ministry pastor to student ministry and working with high school. We just launched a internship and a young adult ministry. So, like, it's kind of next-gen, kind of student ministries, but that's that's where I'm at. And I think, um, and I've told him this to my, my boss, like, I've never had a boss support me so much, believe in me, and want me to not be um, a different version of him. So like any chance that I get a chance to communicate, and he's like, no, you need to find your voice. And so I get to teach mm. here probably once a month in the main service, which I think as much as I love to do that, and I think it's part of my gifting, it's more of, I think that the student ministry needs to have a voice in the main stage, mm. especially if yeah. for us, we don't have a high school service on the weekends because they sit in main service. Yeah. So um, if, it, it, but it's kind of a look, you're, you got to slide all your chips in on that. If you're going to say that students need to be in service, you need to give students a voice. So yeah. and he's, he's one of the first people who's ever said students need to be here and I'm willing to put my money where my mouth is. And so, and, nice. and that's why I love, I love my church. So Mariner South County, which we're, uh, we located in San Juan Capistrano. Um, and that's where I've been. So I'm going on 27 and a half years. I, I try and always ask God, like, God, do you want me to continue to do this? I'd hate to be the last one to know that my time's done. I don't mm-hmm. feel like it is. I feel like as a parent of three kids, now two of which are in the junior high ministry, I go, I've got more to say about it now than I ever did. Yeah. But I also, you know, I think, I think it's a good process for me to open handily, just go, God, if there's mm-hmm. ever a time that I need to go and, um, do something else, get a demotion and be a campus pastor. I don't know, you know, but like, <laughs> whatever. Um, yeah. If there's ever anything else that I could or should do, I'm open to that, but I love what I get to do. And now I love yeah. the fact that I get to have conversations like this and, and, and learn from other people. I, I think I'm pretty relentless about trying to get to other churches and visit them and go, I don't have it figured out. I want to, like, like, there's good stuff out there that I can learn from. And even sometimes you go to other people and go, your context is totally different than, than mine, and it affirms everything that we're doing. So, Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's, that's so cool. That's where I'm at. Wow. It's got to touch us so much over the years, and, and it's cool to to know that it started out with, with opportunities that we can give other people, and, and letting people lead in student ministry, and, and just letting God work in that. And, and that's, that seems where it just took off for you, and, and we get the opportunity to do that as youth pastors. Oh, man. I wouldn't be where I'm... I, I had two youth pastors who significantly shaped my, my love for youth ministry and also entrusted me at times that they probably shouldn't have. <laughs> and yet, and yet they did. I, uh, I, I was running a mission trip at 19 and I, uh, I ran over a kid. Um, so, you know, like, eh, whatever it was, it was, it was a light running over. It was a light hit run. I, I got to ride in an ambulance. It was fun. It was great. Everybody's fine. You know, and, and, and again, that's also a different time, but, um, 
I think, I think we're a little bit more, uh, tight fisted as far as some of the, the liabilities and legalities of it. Yeah. But, but it's, I mean, I am who I am because people entrusted me. People entrusted me with, with, with leadership. And again, at times that they shouldn't have, maybe there needed to be some more safeguards around me, but I, I got to make um, successes and mistakes and failures and then to have people scoop me up and, and teach me in that. Yeah. I, I ran music festivals. I worked in concert music ministry. I had, a, I had a radio program that I got kicked off of, you know, so it's like <laughs> where I play like Christian music, but it's like all these things, like each one of them, I was able to walk away and go, okay, that, that was good. That wasn't. So anyway. Yeah. That's that's really cool. So so we'll talk about just a bit about uh, your own podcast because one of the podcasts that you do is all about pop culture and and youth ministry and how that comes together. And it I is. definitely want to dive into that. Um, but one of the things I'd love to talk to you about before before we jump into that is yeah. is what your ministry looks like there because um, as as you said, I've also been noticing a lot over the last several years that youth ministry has been changing, and I think for good reasons. Um, and I think we're we're heading in a positive direction. I think overall. Yeah. Um, and, and I think for a lot of the things that you've said already, um, I think that, that youth ministry really does need to be, um, well, maybe diminished a little bit and, and help elevate the whole overall church. The, the students need to be connected for all the reasons that FYI and everybody else is saying. Um, so, so what does your ministry actually look like your program structure, things like that, um, there in your current context that maybe take some of that stuff into, into play, um, and how that all works together. Yeah. So we've got like what I oversee and what we're in the process of either living in and developing. I've got a junior high ministry, um, which by the way, I, this is probably an awful plug, but I am in the process of hiring a junior high pastor. So <laughs> email me in the show notes. If, you know, <laughs> so we've got a junior high ministry, we've got a high school ministry, and then we have um, a young adult ministry. And so in that, I think we have made the, the philosophically we've made the determination that junior hires need to have their own age teaching and fellowship. So on the weekends, we have four services. We have one on Saturday night, three on Sunday morning. We offer um, junior high three times. And then we have one where we don't intentionally, because it's also 8.30 in the morning and nobody, no junior hires want to go to church at 8.30 in the morning. Right. But, um, <laughs> but we also do that so that the leadership who are serving in junior high are able to go to church. And so like, okay. we'd have to be busting at the, I would rather move rooms than not have a service where junior high leadership is able to go to church. So, but we, so we've philosophically made that decision. Also, um, in that a lot of our high schoolers serve as like program students. Mm. So they, they'll help run games, they'll host. Um, we've got a worship team that is all student led. Um, they run the board in the back. And so it is for, for, for our junior or for our students, that's a place where they get to serve and, and kind of flex that muscle. Well, the other reason, uh, there were two reasons why I, I well, how about three? One is that God told me I should work here. So that's the first. <laughs> the second one is I have a high respect for my senior pastor and just love his wisdom and what he's invested in me. As I was, as I came to Mariner's Mission Viejo, which is where I originally got hired, um, they hadn't had a youth pastor for probably about 10 months. And as I walked around, what I saw was high schoolers who were in, they didn't have like a weekly gathering anymore. Well, what they were doing is serving. And they were serving in the coffee ministry and they're holding babies and handing out flyers and they were serving in the junior high ministry. And so for me to come into a context where I go, well, we're going to have to build an identity for the high school ministry, but their heart is set towards service. And so I've never wanted to do anything that will dissuade that. So, yeah. um, so, uh, we, 
so our junior high ministry gathers on the weekends. Our high schoolers, they do a couple things. We tell them to do two things, in fact. It's to serve and to sit. And so they pick one service where they go serve someplace. And then, um, based on our size, we don't have a critical mass to go to all the services, but we have directed them now to our latest service on Sunday, which is 1130, so that afterwards we can go to lunch and we can hang out. Um, and then the other thing that we've done for high school is, and I'm actually sitting in it right now, but we have um, we've built out a very... It's, pretty prime real estate, which is, again, I brag on my church for this. Uh, I put a proposal together of what would it look like to have a high school lounge? We don't have mm-hmm. a high school youth room, per se. We use shared space. We have a chapel where we use it on Thursday nights for high school, but we have a we have now what's called a high school lounge. So before and after services, it's open for students to come. We have curated coffee machines. We actually have a, a Pac-Man stand-up video game. We mm-hmm. um like board games and food, and but flyers and information. And so as people are walking into our church, this is prime real estate where students are able to walk by and connect with each other. But then when service starts, we shut it and we go in and sit in service. So that's, so for our high schoolers, like we have the space to have a high school service now. Um, mm-hmm. we've, we've chosen not to because we believe that for a high school student, they have up to four years to where they're going to have to now start to figure this out. And I'd rather them do it with a, a safety net underneath them. Mm. I met, um, I had a family in my ministry that, and again, different times. So I don't think that it would work quite the same, but I had a family in my youth ministry that when their kids turned 17, they said, okay, you're 17. Um, you're a senior in high school. You don't have any rules. You, you don't have a curfew. Here's the keys to the car. Here's how, so they essentially for a year, let them feel what it felt like to live in an apartment in a dorm, but with the safety of parents under them. So if on a Thursday night, they decided to go to a, a party and then, and then go to school the next day, like they had to pay the consequences. Or if they got into a situation where they were stuck, they had their parents to to call and to help, but they didn't have to do it alone. And so I think for us, Mm. we're developing a, we're trying to develop a high school ministry that we go, look, we recognize that you're still great and you're you're still high school specific. And so we we have a youth group that meets on Thursday nights, but on the weekends, we want you to fall in love with the church, not your youth pastor. Mm. You know, when I was 38 years old, I had a great deal on a car that, to buy. Somebody offered me a, a smoking deal on a car, and I made two calls. I called my wife, because that's what you do when you buy cars. You don't surprise her. <laughs> and then I called my dad. Like, I didn't call my youth pastor. And so as much yeah. as I want students to love their time in the youth ministry, if at 25, if they continue to say my best years of, of my spiritual growth was when I was 16, I'm like, I think we've, mm-hmm. we've gone and glorified, at the very least, our, our system, and if not ourselves. Mm-hmm. And the, mm-hmm. like... Our job, like, they're passing through, man, which is beautiful yeah. because when you get that freshman in, in high school that you're like, Dude, I'm counting down the days until you graduate. <laughs> like, it's great because they move through. But then you get those students who are just rock stars, and, mm. and it's sad because they're passing mm-hmm. through. But it's like if they stay here or if this is the best years of their spiritual life, I, I feel like we've kind of missed the mark on that. Mm. And so yeah. we've got to set them up to fall in love with, with the bride of Christ and with the church and to put parents in a position to where they're going to be able to engage them in conversation. So even as simple as just going like, what'd you think of that sermon? Dude, that was a snore fest. Okay. Yeah, me too. Why? You know, or whatever. But it's like the parents are able to very easily now, like figure out how to begin to engage the students. Um, but you know, we're also, I, we we are in the shadow of Saddleback Church and Mariners and tons of mega churches. And so for a lot of parents who come here, they're like, where's the high school youth room? Like, 
where, mm-hmm. and they just want to know where to drop their kid off, which isn't necessarily mm-hmm. bad, but so it's taken a lot of retraining. It's a, it's a, it's a philosophical change for sure. Yeah. And I'll sit here and explain the parents and the primary means and then da, 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 and they go, Oh, so you don't have anything. And you're like, ah. so, <laughs> so it's a, it's a Titanic ship that we're trying to, to, to move. Yeah. But, uh, so junior high gathers, um, age specific teaching high school has like with a safety net starting to serve. And so they sit and serve. And then for us is that we gather all of our student ministries. So junior high school and any parent equipping on Thursday night and okay. for junior high, they do only life groups, which are our life groups are broken down by grade and gender. So sixth grade boys, ninth grade or not ninth, but eighth grade girls or whatever. And then mm-hmm. high school, we do a two hour program where the first hour is, is a service. So a high school specific service. And then the second hour is, um, is grade and gender life groups. So ninth grade, okay. 10th grade, whatever. And I think that the question that we're now starting to answer, because again, youth ministry, what I learned from Marco and from our history, youth ministry solved the problem. Youth ministry mm-hmm. solved the problem that the church wasn't answering. And so I think that, you know, to your statement, I think that student ministry needs to ask the question of what problem are we going to continue to solve mm-hmm. Because I don't think that we're solving a problem right now. And, and that's myself mm-hmm. included. I think that youth ministry needs to continue to ask that question of what problem are we solving? Because right now we are just replicating what's going on in the main service. So we're yeah. now asking the question on Thursday night, what problem can we solve in our main service? Life groups, uh, that, that answers itself. It's accountability. Mm-hmm. They sit in circles. It's, it's biblical community. It's Acts 2. So life groups is, is solving that problem. But our large service, our, our high school service is just, it's just a, a high school version of what's going on on Sunday. So we're starting to ask that question of what problem are we going to use for that hour? What problem are we going to solve um, in a, in a student's lives? And the, like the closest I've come to an answer and, and, and I'm not, we are not in it yet, but the closest I've come to is, is entrusting students. Like even if the service does look the same as what's going on on a Sunday is that I need to be like relentlessly handing off things. So mm. students need to be preaching or at the very least sharing their testimony. Now, again, these yeah. are all done with that safety net. So I'm not just like, here, we'll see you on, on Thursday and you're going to give <laughs> each a book of Leviticus. But like <laughs> students need to be doing greeting and welcoming. They need to be the ones programming and dreaming. Like that's to mm. me, the thing that that, that hour of, of ministry needs to solve is beginning to entrust the next generation to go, you have a role, like you don't have a junior Holy Spirit at 16. You have the real, active, alive God who is in you and shaping you and doing things in you now because they're bored. They're bored. They don't mm-hmm. want somebody else to, to, to entertain them. We live, in the, we live in the shadow of Saddleback and Disneyland. <laughs> I, will never, I will never be bigger than either of those things or the beach. Yeah. Or the, you know, right. so, so then you just go, so then I've got to be able to do for them something that nobody else can do, which is mm. to say at 16, you, the very active, um, word of God is changing and shaping you. It is your responsibility with, with parent, parental and, and adult uh, like support to, for you to begin to, um, feel what that feels like to take ownership over that. And ultimately yeah. that's what was done for me at 18. Maybe not always done perfectly, but that's what was done for me. And so I, I have to do that for them. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. Man, there's so much, so much good stuff there. Like, I, I, I hope people are like taking 
fervorous notes <laughs> like right now because that's so so great and i think and i think that's that's what we've been experiencing as well as and maybe i i wasn't thinking of that question as, as conscious as i probably should have but but what is that purpose that we're solving and, and what what are we shooting for and i think that was one of the the reasons why we recently changed to a, a primarily small group focused ministry yeah we actually cut all of our student specific services um because of that reason because okay. we felt, you know, what what can we actually do? We can provide community and we yep. can provide um, a, a place for relationship to happen, both with God and with each other. And um, and we were like, I, I was, I just felt tired of competing with the main service. Well, and right. it's like, they're doing an excellent job and I want our students to be in there. I want them to be going yep. to church. I want them to yep. be leading in there. And so, uh, so yeah, we, we actually cut that out and we... I, I've I've told parents we consider the the main worship service as a part of student programming now. Absolutely, have to just wrap their heads around that. Like we'll do a once a month outreach thing that can that is focused yeah. on students, and we'll do small groups. But hey, we've been an excellent service that we're trying to get students involved in and make that student you know uh, appealing to students. We want you to go to that, and ah, we want you to sit you. as your family. We want all this stuff. So and again, it's, it's, it's but yeah, not, it's a Titanic ship. <laughs> yeah, and it's not quite as attractive. You know, I get yeah. it. Like I, I've even talked with our leadership. We've all agreed if we were to do a high school service on Sunday mornings in conjunction, like parallel with service, I, I think we would have more students here. And yet, mm-hmm. I just go, I'm not, I'm not there yet. That there is a better way. I'd, I'd rather have less kids that will have a longer. Uh, th- that will graduate from from high school and and hold on to their faith mm-hmm. than than to just have the perceived view of more students in a room, which is so like it is so alluring. And I sit here and I go, yeah. "What are you doing, dude? You you <laughs> could have your own stage. Like we have a great budget here and we have phenomenal facilities, so just do it." But mm-hmm. but I just go, "It's not it's it's not it's not what I've been called. To, it's not my conviction." And and I think, like, we have to, again, we have to solve a bigger problem for these students. Yeah, so. totally. totally. Well, one of the things that you do, like I said, is uh, you host a, a, a podcast uh, specifically sure. about pop culture and everything. Yeah. So so talk a little bit about that, but I'd love to, to hear how do you bring pop culture and those references and things like that into your ministry, and how sure. do those kind of coincide? Yeah, thank you. Um, so... Now, to be fair, I have, I have two podcasts, one of which I don't normally that is true. Talk, talk about. One of them is a, is a Bachelor-themed podcast, um, but we'll, just, we'll set that one to the side. Um, that, one, that one was birthed. Me and a friend were watching The Bachelor with our wives, and we said, we need to set up some mics and just talk about this, and that was three years ago, and now we keep doing it. So that one's ridiculous. Um, but um, about, gosh, it's probably been about a year and a half now, um, launch uh, from... From the point, I mean, I think I've always been fascinated with pop culture. I think it was something that was birthed in me even before necessarily, like, I was, um, even before I was, was, a, was a Christian, a follower of Christ, I remember the, the tapes and records and CDs that I bought. I remember the concerts I went to. I had, I had concert um, stubs, like, stapled onto my wall when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I, and, but it kind of, but I, it went out into nerd and geek culture of video games and comic books. And, um, you know, I, I want to be Spider-Man when I was four. So it's like, that's always mm-hmm. like, so I think pop culture has always been ingrained in me. It's one of those things that at least for me has just been an easy language to speak. And it has mm-hmm. been, I'm not, I am, I am abysmal at sports. I am, mm-hmm. 
highly competitive and super unathletic, which is a bad combination because I, I end up being disappointed all the time. So I think some of it was that this is, this is a language I could speak, and it was also something that was easy to connect with students. Because I'm not going to be able to sit here and talk about football and whatever goalie unit they made. But I can, I can talk about, especially now, you know, as we head into a world of, of Marvel and Disney movies and, you know, and, and that Comic-Con, my, my son's actually going to Los Angeles Comic-Con this weekend. And there's, I don't think there's a single, like the big stars, there's not a single like comic book. It's all like stars from the office and YouTube stars. Yeah. And so it's just interesting to see how this whole thing is more, um, mm-hmm. I, I grew up, my, probably one of the biggest shapers of my faith when I was in my 20s was Christian music, which at the time, you know, and it's, it's amazing to think that I used to go to Newsboys concerts and they were like this little underground band who's now right. like, really, you're still around doing this. So it's real. <laughs> but, you know, anything from Five Minute Walk and Tooth and Nail Records, like, the, and those, those bands and those record labels, that was, that was like significant for me of finding something that was in, in pop culture, so music, movies, TV, media, that would help me shape my faith. And, and mm-hmm. so, again, it's just been something that I have a natural propensity towards. So before I had a pop culture, I was reading Entertainment Weekly, and I just find that mm-hmm. stuff out. I listen to Hollywood news. I, you know, I go to movies. I, I focus. So, so all that, and so I, I pitched it to the DYM Podcasting Network about a year and a half ago. And in trying to figure out the name of what we're going to call this, it's like, I think we look at, cul- at culture and I always ask the question, is, what is it or, or, or what it is? And then, mm-hmm. and then I spend my time essentially saying, these are the things in culture of what it is. And then this is what it means for us, you know? And so sometimes it's, it's nothing. It's fall TV preview. Um, mm-hmm. What does that mean? I don't know. It means that you've got new shows to watch, but that, that some are actually... Uh, have a very either compelling or very damaging message. And so you should at least mm. know. I also think that there's things, um, you know, I've made the choice in my own life. I don't, um, I don't like horror films. Like they, they mess with my brain. And so mm. anybody that can, but I also know that they're very compelling to students. We out here have things like not scary farm, which is like our, one of our theme parks. And they do like the Halloween horror nights where universal mm-hmm. studios does one of those magic mountain. So, I don't like going to those. Like I don't need to see creepy clowns, but I'm fascinated by it. And I want to, I want to be able to engage students and go, why do you like that? Why do you like to be scared? What is it? So, so again, I'm not even in, in here's the freeing thing in doing this, this, uh, this pop pop culture podcast is I'm not telling you that you should watch these things. We had a long conversation mm-hmm. about Deadpool when it first came out. I'm not saying mm-hmm. you should watch that. It's, it's aggressively graphic. The language mm-hmm. is horrible but I'm telling you what it means. And I'm also saying yeah. like, look, you should, you don't have to watch it, but your students are. So you at yep. least need to be able to go there and speak that sort of language or engage in it in an appropriate way. Um, mm. what, are, what do all the new apps mean? You know, you don't need to, I, like, I still don't understand Snapchat, but I can talk to somebody about it. <laughs> In fact, I yeah. hate, I hate Snapchat. I think it's the stupidest. <laughs> and now TikTok, which is Snapchat yeah. and Vine just had a baby. And so like, yeah. so some of these things, it's not, I, it, it's it's a it's a very freeing way to go. Like this is what these things are, and this is so it's 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 called again creatively called what it is, what it means, and it's just this idea of saying this is what's happening in culture, and we'll tell you what that means. Now, full disclosure, um, there's been a fair amount of staffing changes in in my life at my church. We merged as a church a year ago, and since then I've been restaffing. So as of like June first, I've I'd taken a break from this this podcast. Um, I'm, I'm in the process of finding a new host. My wife and I have hosted it up to this point. I did not fire her. She's asked <laughs> to be replaced. She's actually on my, 
on our bachelor podcast as well. And so just, it's kind of a, look, I'm going to talk about just one thing. And so I'm in the process of trying to figure out like a new, new uh, co-host and kind of what that looks like also like living in a rhythm. So that's, that's one of my goals after we're just getting through fall launch right now. And so we're going to be relaunching that here in the next week or two with new, new host and, and um, the, the show prep for that one. Again, it's also because it's pop culture and it's moving so fast. I will spend a week collecting all this information on pop culture. And then a week later, it's all gone. And you're like, nobody, yeah. nobody cares about this. Right. Who, who remembers Yanny and Laurel and the blue and black dress <laughs> and the white and gold dress. You're like, yeah. and so you go and do all this stuff. And then people are like, I don't care about that anymore. And yeah. so I remember I spent two weeks trying to figure out preachers and sneakers. And then somebody, and then it was like gone. So yeah. gone. it's me trying to figure out how to um, accumulate the information fast, put it onto something and then get it out. Without, you know, it, it is, and I'm, I, I mean, maybe you are making money hand over fist on your podcast. This is still a nope. passion. It's a passion project for me. So it needs mm-hmm. to be during my free time, which uh, I haven't had a whole lot of. So, yeah. so that is, um, but I would love for you guys to subscribe as it is um, going to be coming back here in the next couple of weeks and really ramping up as we head into National Workers Convention. We're going to be doing a live um, broadcast there on site, which cool. can be fun in Tampa, Florida. And yeah, so you, you can find it at what it is, what it means on Instagram. Um, and then search for it in the easiest way is actually the DYM network, which there are a ton of fantastic um, youth ministry podcasts there. And so if you find that you can find all the different podcasts that really hit a bunch of different niches of what you're looking for, including pop. Culture. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's uh, so something so interesting. And, and I was, as I was sitting actually at the national day of youth worker training um, oh, yeah, a couple yeah. weeks ago that DYM held uh, two things popped in my head as I was talking to our staff. And I think one of them was that, that I take the training and everything that I get. So I take it for granted so much oh, yeah. um, because that's just something I naturally get. I'm connected with, with people from DYM and I'm reading and all this stuff. And our volunteers just don't have that ability. Um, and, and that sort of thing, but also my natural love for also pop culture and video games and all that stuff makes it so natural for me to just be always watching YouTube and reading news right. and what's the upcoming movies and all that stuff. But a lot of our youth leaders, like that's not what they're doing. So to have something like that, that says, here's the most important things that you need to know because your students are into it We're gonna and here's how you can right talk now. to them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, and I think the, my only way of like explaining it for a lot of people about, I'm, I'm again, sweeping stereotype for a lot of um, gentlemen, they have a natural tendency towards sports and maybe, and, and ladies as well. There are a lot of people mm-hmm. out there that have a natural tendency towards sports. They put on the ESPN in the background, they flip through, they like to look up scores. Like I don't do any of that. I, I felt mm-hmm. bad when I heard the Dodgers lost last night and they're, they're <laughs> out of the, out of the, the race for the world series. But, but other than that, like I just don't care. And so for something that is, I, I flip through entertainment weekly. I look, I've got mm. notifications on my phone, like all that stuff pops up. And so I take for granted that other people, they're like, I don't, I don't watch YouTube. And you're like, you don't, you don't just flip through for just fun. You don't watch movies. Yeah. I love, I can watch movie trailers for an hour. You know, yeah. I, yeah. every Thursday night I go on to Spotify and look at all the new releases of music. So again, <clears throat> and that's why I like, look, if you want to go to sporting events and that's the thing you do, great. Have fun doing that. This is my, this is my hobby. This is the thing mm. I like to, I like to travel. I like to cook. I surf very badly. Um, and I, and I like to, to learn about pop culture and go to movies and stuff like that. So, so it is, um, but I'm with you where you just go, you forget that other people don't have that kind of base level knowledge. Mm -hmm. And so these things you're like, Oh, it's gotta be way up here. You're like, no, just, just give the big, give the big, uh, the big rocks of what's going on. You know, 
I, I think one of the big things we're going to be talking about here in this next month is there's two new streaming services that are going to be happening in November and December. And I think it's going to change mm-hmm. the whole landscape. Uh, I think, mm-hmm. I think cable TV and satellite TV is going to die pretty quick, mm-hmm. but yeah. you're looking at Disney and Apple TV and both of these things are, are coming. And, uh, Disney TV has got a deal right now that if you pay 140 bucks, you can get three years of tre- streaming service. That works out to $3 yep. a month. I took that deal. <laughs> yep. Right here. Yep. Me too. But I just go, that's, that's got to have an impact on an already, you know, you, you've got Netflix and Hulu and uh, Voodoo and all, all these different ones. And now you're like, mm-hmm. you're, you're adding in two monsters. So there's too much TV. We can all agree with that. <laughs> but you just go, what does that mean when Disney is now going to have a hub of 750 movies that are family friendly, that are star Wars, that are Marvel, that are, they're holding ESPN. And I think, and Hulu, like, so like yeah. in, in, in that four fingered mouse hand, they're going to, mm-hmm have a tight grip on an enormous uh, chunk of, of streaming that we take for granted and that we watch. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. And I think it's, you know, in a way it's, it's, you know, there are other things, sports and things like that too, but it's one of those pillars that, that I think as Paul did, he was a, he was a, um, a student of his culture and was able to then talk to people because he knew what they were into. Yeah. Maybe, I mean, he, he was an expert, um, but we don't have to necessarily be an expert. We, but we, we at least need to have enough, enough familiarity, um, with that to be able to relate to a student. And all of a sudden when you know, yeah, they're talking about TikTok, and you go, Oh, Hey, I know what that's all about. Instead of going, what? That sounds stupid. Like, I'm not going to even like inter- engage with the conversation. But now you're like, okay, I've heard of that. I know a little bit about it. And I can actually have a conversation with that student. All of a sudden, you built a relationship. Yeah. And you, and, and, and in fact, and I think that this is a good youth ministry lesson just across the board, putting students in the position where they're the authority. So you're like, mm. I've heard of TikTok. I know that you do this. I, you can make these. What? Help me understand. Show me how. Yeah. And all of a sudden, they yeah. become an authority in a world where everyone is telling them to that someday they'll be an adult. You're putting them in that position <laughs> of authority, and they, they love it. You know. Yeah. I think for us, um, on our first episode, the the heart and the, the scriptural basis for what it is, what it means, is is out of Acts 17, where that you were just referring to. That mm-hmm. Paul walks around and he spends time like learning the culture and he, he looks at the idols and he spends time and then he goes and he says, men of Athens, I can see that you are spiritual in so many natures. And yet yep. in the, in the place where you're ignorant and not meaning dumb, but in the thing that you don't know about, allow me to, to point you to Jesus. And so I think mm-hmm. that is a big heart for this of going, I think we actually live in a very spiritual culture. And I think if if not spiritual, at least superstitious. So for us to say this thing that you go, this unknown, you know, because in in Acts 17, you go that you had an idol to an unknown God. So this thing that you worship in in ignorance, allow me to tell you what Jesus has done. And then Jesus cares about Hollywood and the movie industry and music. And all those creative expressions are actually, that is, that is of God. We've just taken that and chosen to direct that energy in another place. And so that, that for us has been, the scriptural basis for why we do what it is, what it means. That's cool. That's yeah. so cool, man. Jeff, you shared so many tips and, and great things already. Um, I'd love to close out today just by, by asking you, are, are there any other tips that you've picked up along the years, um, among the years that have just um, kind of stand out to you that you'd like to share with other youth workers? And, and a lot of times I, I like to ask this question about maybe think of yourself several years before and yeah. like, man, if I could tell younger Jeff this um, as a young youth worker, like yeah. go this direction, do this instead, um, that you, things that you've learned over the years. Yeah, I, I, I think a lot of it comes in the place of, of recognizing that 
if I don't care for myself, I will have nothing to mm. offer. Like it, it's, it's a recipe mm. for burnout. And so I wish that five, 10 years ago, especially as I stepped into becoming a, a, a husband 18 years ago, 13 years ago, I became a, a dad. What I didn't know at the time is that I would be, I was, I was becoming a dad of a special needs kid who has autism. Mm. Um, I, uh, and, and now a dad of girls, which, you know, that has its own <laughs> prayer list. But I think I, I wish that I had, um, I wish that I had come to a place I, of, of recognizing that I'm not, I'm not articulating my words real well, says the guy who has a podcast. Um, <laughs> I wish I would have recognized that, that as much as people are grateful for what I do and the investment that I make into their students' lives and their families' lives, I am no good to anybody if I, if I break my back and I burn myself out. And so I think I wish I had been self-aware to step out and look at the things that give me life, spending time with my wife, traveling, cooking, um, getting out in the ocean, like those sort of things. And to, and, and that actually like taking those and then spiritual disciplines of prayer and, and time in God's word and fast in those sort of things and saying, these, these are the big rocks that these need to be the things in my, in my bucket that I put in first. And I think for me, it's, it's a because, and I think that we all have this, so I'll, I'll say this of, of you or anybody else. I think we all have some level of natural ability in the area of youth ministry. It's why we're in it. And so I think that we use that gifting, that charm, that ability to teach, and that we live off of that rather than saying, if I am not a whole person myself, if I haven't cared for me, if my relationship with God isn't first, and I, that felt selfish to me. And yet what I've come to learn is that nobody's going to thank me for breaking my back for Jesus. If I am <laughs> burned out and moral failure and like nuclear bomb, my wife or my family, like, and none of that, is, none of that's worth it, you know? And, yeah. I, and it feels a little um, contrite and it feels like that's what you read on a, a, a pillow when you stitch it, that you're like, you know, <laughs> your first ministry is in the home and it is, but I wish that I had been more self-aware of just recognizing the things that give me life. And, and <laughs> I think, that for so many years, youth ministry was the thing that gave me life because it involved activity and people and youth culture. And so it was so, I think for so long, it was so like just merged together. And I'm like, no, mm -hmm. a, a good day off is hanging out with students. And you're like, and that's not bad, but it didn't set me up for being a husband and didn't set me up mm -hmm. for being a parent. And I think I've even watched myself in, in 27 years of youth ministry become a little bit more introverted and being okay with mm -hmm. silence. And I think that's just... Mm -hmm. That's age and hopefully some level of wisdom. I don't know. Yeah. But so, so I would say some level of self-care, being okay, saying that you're not okay, finding counseling and therapy, mm -hmm. finding those things that are going to bring you life because the, the best version of Jeff as a youth pastor is what is going to have an impact on your church and your family and those. And I think I just, for the sake of the gospel, I would, I would like whittle myself down to nothing. And then, and then I would sit there and I'd have to pick up the pieces or my wife would, or my mm. family would. And then I'd, I'd dust myself off and do it again. And you're like, and, and it, that doesn't work. That doesn't work. And, and here, and here's the thing. God never called us to do that. Mm. Like yeah. we're called to live sacrificially. We're called to give for the gospel, but not at the sake of, of my marriage. Mm. And so I think that's what I wish somebody had. And I think I, I knew it, but I wasn't doing it. I also, yeah. I also know I should go to the gym and yet I skipped that today. So I, <laughs> I wish I'd had somebody 10 years ago going, no, get out of here. Go do you, 
You haven't prayed in three days. You, you've, you've, oh, you've cracked your Bible to, to write a Bible study. That's not quiet time with God. Mm. You haven't been out in the ocean in, in a month and you live 20 minutes from, from the beach. Like that's ridiculous. So mm. I wish somebody had done that for me mm. or that if future Jeff could come back and, and tell old Jeff that. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. And I think uh, one of the things that I'm learning through that, with that in mind, is is how to rest right now. That's, that's <laughs> something that I'm actually going through right now because I'm naturally, I am more of an extrovert. I yep. don't prefer time. I'm like you, I've, I've grown to appreciate it uh, the older I get, but it's not something I naturally run to. Sure. And so to be able to figure out how to rest well and how to take care of those things, because I know it. But in practice, it doesn't always come easy for me. And I think that's that's what you said is, is great <laughs> wisdom and advice for me as well as I'm trying to figure this out as and too because I don't want to be burned out. I don't want to you know neglect my wife and and all those other things that I I do need to put a lot of effort toward as well. And uh, so I, I hope that other people are really taking you know careful notes mentally about this because because I. Like you, I've heard it so many times, mm-hmm. but am I actually putting it into practice the best way? No, not at all. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, and I think I, I've sometimes, as I've talked to other people and even for myself, it's again, not a sports guy, but I played baseball long enough to know I'm, I'm right-handed and I throw the ball a certain way. Like, I feel like every time I changed seasons of life, when I became a husband, when I became a dad, mm-hmm. when I moved, it felt a little bit like throwing a ball with, with my wrong hand or for me, my left hand. Mm-hmm. And so for a lot of, younger guys and, and girls, men and women that I've, I've spent time with, I'm like, you got to learn a new pitch because for so long, like me, youth ministry was, I'm hanging out with kids every Friday night at football games and they're coming over to my house. I was, my wife mm-hmm. was a great life group leader. And then all of a sudden she had a baby and you're like, what? We can't do this. My kid's got to go to bed at six 30. Like it's different. And so I think we've had to a different season, learn a new pitch. I got to learn. Cause mm-hmm. I, and, and the ball still gets there. It's just clumsy. So you got to practice. Yep. Mm-hmm. But you got to figure out the ways that you did youth ministry when you're 25 aren't going to work at 30, even just like, like the, the human body, but also just you're in a different season of life. And I think that so many people go, I think God's called me away from youth ministry. And I go, I, I think you're just tired. And both yeah. are true. Some people are called mm-hmm. away from youth ministry. But I also, I, I adamantly believe that we need to have 35, 40, 45, 50 year olds in youth ministry because there's a level mm-hmm. of wisdom and experience that we are missing because they think that mm-hmm. that now needs to go and to become a senior pastor or a campus pastor, mm-hmm. which it may, yeah. it may, but that's not, that's not it. You know, what if we have 30 year veterans in youth ministry who are investing that wisdom and making sure that that next 25 year old doesn't flame out or morally crumble because they've gone and said, that's just what it takes to get there. You know, and it's, just, yeah. it's yeah. not the way that it should be. Yeah. Amen. Wow. So Jeff, I'm sure that people are going to want to contact you. Um, I'm sure they're going to want to listen to more of your podcast and everything else out there. So, so what, what's the best ways for people to get in touch with you online? Uh, best ways, uh, probably Instagram or email. So Instagram would be, uh, Jay Bachman, J B A C H M A N and send me a DM. Let's be friends. Um, I would love to just see your youth ministry and learn again. There's there. I learned so much on just looking on social media. Now we all know that our social media tells the best story of what's going on. But, <laughs> right. um, so send me a message or, or find me there, or my email is Jeff Bachman, then the number one. So J E F F B A C H M A N one at gmail.com. And I would love to, again, I'd love to learn from you. I'd love to talk with you, help you out in any way. Oops. I've got somebody 
call. There we go. Hang it. I, I just had a call come through on my Skype. Um, <laughs> and you know, and again, I, I love to go visit churches, help out, speak, teach, support, pray for anything I can do. Cause again, I think, I think we are a, um, we are a small fraternity and sorority of people who get each other and it's, mm-hmm. and it's lonely out there, man. So let's, yeah. Let's figure out how to support one another. Even like this has been life giving to just meet you and uh, to talk to you too. So thank, thanks for nice. being generous with your time. Yeah, no problem. And thank you so much for, for being generous with your time and, and all that you've done and all that you've learned and, and sharing all that today. Um, yeah, I, I know that our listeners are, are definitely going to benefit from, from this conversation and, and hearing from you today. So no thanks so much. And cool. again, may God bless your ministry. God bless you, Steve. Take care. Well, I do want to thank Jeff one more time, and I want to thank you all for tuning in and listening to this conversation, and I hope you were taking notes, because I know I was. <laughs> like, I had so many ideas and, and so many things that are going through my head um, from listening to Jeff, and so um, make sure that you reach out to him. If you have any other questions or, or want to pick his brain anymore, make sure you do that. And you can also reach out to me. Um, I'm on Twitter, at Steve Cullum. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram and everything. It's pretty much at Steve Cullum everywhere. But you can also follow the Student Ministry Podcast on social media if you haven't done so yet. You can look us up on Twitter at StuMenPod. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at the Student Ministry Podcast. And uh, we'd love for uh, you guys to, ha- you know, for us to have your follow. That'd be awesome. And you can reach out to us that way, uh, especially if there's other people that we need to interview. And you're like, hey, you've got to have so-and-so on the show. Um, make sure you contact us, and that'd be awesome. Uh, make sure you also subscribe if you haven't done that yet and share it with others. And if you haven't done so and you like what you hear, please leave a positive comment on your favorite podcast app of choice, especially the, the Apple podcast and, and Google podcasts, Spotify, things like that, uh, where a lot of people use. It just helps us kind of rise uh, higher to the top and helps other people find these conversations. We also want to thank our sponsors for this episode of the Student Ministry Podcast. First of all, WorkCamp NE. Their website is W-O-R-K-C-A-M-P-N-E.com. And also G-Shades Student Curriculum. Their website is gshades.org. And be sure to use the promo code STUMENPOD for 5% off your order when you go to gshades.org. We're so grateful for both WorkCamp NE and G-Shades for sponsoring this episode of the Student Ministry Podcast. Quick heads up for those of you that are going to the National Youth Worker Convention in Tampa this year. I'll be there in just a couple weeks. Hope to see you there. And again, I'm so grateful for you being here, listening to this episode and, uh, and sharing with others and doing all that you do for students and families. And may God bless your ministry. Thank you.